and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by everyone else's team of the season to our team of the season. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? Have you got over the backlash from our mid-season predictions in midweek? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm definitely a virgin, so we can get that out of the way straight away, can't we? <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's been it's been fun. I think Borough fans have had some good comments, um, but then they are sort of littered with the odd melt, the odd virgin, etc., etc., which is always fun to go through. Who would have known that football fans would be so sensitive about people criticising their team? We would. We would know that because we've been oh, doing yes. this for nearly three years now, Justin, and we found out in the first month that people are sensitive <laughs> about you criticising their team. But it's just opinions, guys. That's all it is. And... Our opinions are just as valid as yours are. I think also we provide a neutral kind of view as well, don't we? Because people will say, yeah. oh, how often do you watch our team? Of course, we don't watch it as much as a season ticket holder. But at the same time, we watch we watch more championship than the average person, don't we? Probably more championship than the 99% of the country, haven't we? So, you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, in the interest of balance, um, it's always good to have... Um, someone's view who isn't there every week because as you say if you you then become sort of littered with not bias but the narrative that surrounds your club um, and us chiming in with without that bias it helps um, obviously there's the odd biased Derby fan comment that gets thrown my way as well which I can tell you does not come into my thinking whenever I assess a team or go through a team but yeah I think in the interest of balance it's always good to accept a neutral's view and you don't have to agree you can disagree but to say that uh, an opinion is wrong I don't think is the right way to go about it although I've just said that it's wrong or get called a virgin I mean you can call me a virgin if you want but to say my Star Wars to say my Star Wars uh, um, canvas behind me is the uh, the route into virginity I think you're absolutely wrong <laughs> what a start to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. I presume you're listening because you want to hear the opinion of neutrals. Um, otherwise, there's not really a point in you being here, really, is it? Um, of course, it's the FA Cup this weekend, so no championship games. So we're going to be doing our championship team of the season so far. Instead, we've released our mid-season predictions on Thursday where we looked ahead to the rest of the season. So today, let's look back at the best of the season so far. Me and Justin have each, pe- uh, each picked our top five players in each position. We've gone... Uh, for the players who rank the highest in each position, we'll give a few honourable mentions along the way as well. Before we start, we've gone for a 4-3-3 formation because I think it suits the players we've picked the best, doesn't it? As opposed to the traditional mm-hmm. 4-4-2. Um, let's get... Well, well, there's no, else, no other place to start, really, is there, Justin? Apart from the goalkeeper position, uh, we've gone for Mark Travers of Bournemouth and I I think I'll take our minds back to the start of the season Justin I was very interested to see how Travers were doing goal for Bournemouth because he is young he's only 22 no other goalkeeper under the age of 24 has played more than 12 games this season and Travers has only missed the one game so far but he's been absolutely class hasn't he he has he surprised me I wasn't convinced I think um, we did a a live didn't we for the uh, Bournemouth West Brom game which was the first game of the season and he looked quite shaky because obviously West Brom were loading up the box with high balls. Didn't really deal with it, but he's he's got stronger as the season's gone on. Um, and if we take the clean sheets out, 
He's got the third highest save percentage in the league behind Ryan Alsop and Nathan Baxter, who have played a lot less games than him. And he's really shown that he's a reliable player at this level. Um, he's a good shot stopper. Um, he's good, he's good, um, his passing range is, is, is decent as well. And he's still only 22. So it's a very good foundation for him to, to, to start on. And I'm, I'm really happy that um, Scott Parker stuck with him rather than going for an experienced goalkeeper because he could, he could have easily done that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've stolen all my stats there. So thank you for that, Justin. <laughs> um, I'll throw a few more your way. He's got the highest goals prevented rate in the division for any keeper with more than 12 appearances. You were talking about how he's got a better save percentage uh, than uh, Baxter and the other goalkeeper, who I can't remember who you said now. Um, also, But, also, but um, Travers is the only one who's made double-figure starts this season so exactly. yeah. if you're talking about consistency across the season then without a doubt he has been right at the top you have obviously got the caveat that he plays for a top side so he's got a very good defence in front of him and obviously doesn't face as many shots as the majority of other sides in the division but he still had to make key saves hasn't he and yeah. he's done it on numerous occasions I can't recall a single mistake he's made either so yeah he, he's he's still been pulling his weight despite not being one of the busier keepers in the league hasn't he no, he has. And, and as I say, he, he has surprised me. Um, I go back to the game a couple of weeks ago. Um, it might it might have been against Blackpool, but it might not have been Blackpool, but he made two key saves either side of um, goal. It was Cardiff, actually. He made two key saves, which ultimately, I think, probably swung the game in Bournemouth's way. Um, not necessarily in terms of the result, but definitely in terms of um, just general the, the game generally swinging. So he's shown that he's, yeah, he's a reliable performer and, and, and Definitely deserving of his place in the team this season so far. And most importantly, Scott Parker has put faith in him as the number one for Bournemouth and Travers has paid him back for that faith and that's the biggest compliment you can give him really. Honourable mentions, you were quite hot on Lee Nichols, weren't you, being a goalkeeper mm-hmm. of the season. Uh, Brad Collins, I'm, I was really pulling a... Mm-hmm pulling long as uh, my uh, choice but uh, uh, I think we both agreed on Mark Travers as the one who's been a consistent barricade hasn't he between uh, yeah. the uh, strikers and the uh, and the goal so yeah Mark Travers definitely deserving of uh, the goalkeeper slot in our team Justin who have we got at right back we've got Darnell Furlong of West Brom um, and he's, he's a player who's really really impressed me this season and again he's another player that surprised me because of how advanced he's had to play in this Ishmael system I didn't think I know he was a good all-round fullback or wingback but he's really showcased his ability going forward but not only that his defensive capabilities are there to, for everyone to see as well yeah every time I've watched him he has been Absolutely class. I remember when he signed from QPR, actually, and I wasn't particularly convinced by that signing. I think he still had a lot of developing to do, but now you just have to watch him. He is a superb all-round wing-back. Defensively, there isn't a better full-back or wing-back in the league, for my money. And he is also brilliant at the attacking aspect of this as well, because wing-backs are so important to the value in Ishmael's system, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Uh, The way he wants to play. And we've spoken about how many chances West Brom create and have spurned. But the reason they've created so many chances is partly down to the great work that Furlong does going forward and stretching the opposition. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, and as, as you've mentioned, or as we've both mentioned, the, the, the way the wing-backs function in the Ishmael system, they, they alleviate so much pressure and there's such a, um, a creative emphasis uh, and responsibility from them. And, and Furlong's definitely stood up and not only that, he's got that slingshot throw, hasn't he? Which is a massive <laughs> asset um, for West Brom. And he's he's a pain in the arse for, for opposition fullbacks because 
when you're marking a wing back, it's it's so difficult to um, to, to cover whether it's the, the opposition left back doing it or the opposition opposition left midfielder whoever's playing there. Um, but Furlong finds space; he does it all game. He's been so consistent. Arguably, I'd argue probably West Brom's most consistent player this season, um, and maybe on that basis, probably West Brom's best overall player this season as well. That's that's the argument I'd make. But he's really impressed me, and um, I you know looking forward to seeing more. There's definitely an argument to make about him being the most consistent Albion player this season. I don't think many West Brom fans will argue with you about that. The only thing you can really fault about him is that he hasn't got better numbers in terms of goals and assists. <laughs> I mean, the assists, that's not really down to him. It's more the strikers for West Brom spurning chances on a weekly basis. Goals-wise, he has missed some good chances, though. And I think I'm right in saying that only one player has had more shots than Furlong and not scored this season. But I am nitpicking at this point because Furlong has been absolutely class. He's really, really impressed me for the Albion. Honourable mentions, Jed Spence. Uh, Forrest, he's, he's really been really good. Isaiah Jones as well. I think we, we should give him a bit of airtime, shouldn't we, Justin? Because in yeah, terms of players who <laughs> have come from absolutely nowhere and ended up being class, he is right up there, isn't he? He has. And, and obviously, he's just won the pair of the month for December as well um, at the time of recording. He's been fantastic. The amount of, um, again, in a wing-back system, the creative emphasis and responsibility that wing-backs have is so, so important. So if you've got a wing-back that can provide chances for, for goal scorers and Borough sit in the same position as West Brom um, in terms of being fairly wasteful at times when, when converting chances. So Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Jones's um, numbers probably would have been a lot higher. But yeah, he's, he's a player that's really impressed me and I think he's going to thrive under Chris Wilder um, because as I say, Chris Wilder's systems rely heavily on uh, wing-backs. Jed Spence has been one of the best wing-backs in the division this season, but the fact that Middlesbrough don't need to recall him because they've got Isaiah Jones <laughs> says a lot about how good Jones has been this season, and Spence for that matter as well. Uh, centre-backs, Justin, we've got Curtis Davis and Lloyd Kelly. Now, I think Curtis Davis may raise a few eyebrows, Justin, but as someone who's been a regular viewer of Derby this season, I'm guessing you've been extremely impressed with uh, the old veteran Oh yes, um, I think in terms of when he's been fit and playing, obviously he missed most of last season because of a, an Achilles tear um, and a couple of seasons before he did the same thing for Derby. But since he's been at Derby, statistically he's been one of the most consistent performers or defenders in the league. Um, but it's probably never been enough to, to get him in the eyes of a team of the season. Um, but for me, this season he's been an absolute Trojan. He's been unbelievable. He's part of the the fourth best defence in the league. He's dominant in the air, still dominant in the air. I don't think many players have got the best um, uh, or got one over him uh, this season yet. And at 36 years old, um, he's been uh, unbelievable. He's a leader in the team as well. There's really not much else you can say other than because of how good Derby have been defensively um, and how much turmoil they've been in just the responsibility he's had to lead the team has been fantastic and he, and for me for my money he has been one of the best defenders in the league you know what I agree with you and I don't think you're speaking as a biased Derby fan I think Curtis Davis has just genuinely been absolutely class the only reason Derby have got any chance of staying up right now is because they have been so solid defensively and that is no short part down to the brilliant form 
of Curtis Davis. I will say this, I think Phil Jagielka has been just as good this season. I think Davis gets a lot more plaudits because he rises like a salmon in the air, whereas <laughs> Jagielka does a lot of the work that's underappreciated. But they've both been class this season. Let's not take anything away from Davis. I remember last season, and you were just talking about it then, when Davis was injured and had that really bad injury, you've got to remember he is 36 now. I thought his days were numbered. Yeah. Um, but there's an argument to say he's been playing the best football of his career. And as well as that, it's not just his defensive work. You can tell his leadership is working wonders, isn't it? And is a big reason why Derby aren't down and out right now. I don't think it means as much to any other player that Derby are still fighting to stay up than Curtis Davis. So certainly a worthy inclusion in this team, Justin. Yep. Uh, and we're, we're also, what we haven't mentioned is... Um, his ability to to score important goals. He got the uh, the second goal against Stoke City with a with a flicked header. Uh, he, he caused the goal uh, against Huddersfield on the opening day of the season. I think Cole scored the own goal, but Davis would have scored it anyway because he was bearing down on him um, while the ball trickling into the net. And obviously the equaliser against Reading, which which um, got the got Derby the, the draw from two 0 down. Yeah, he's just uh, an unbelievable player, an unbelievable character, an unbelievable asset to Derby County, and I hope that. He's got a couple of more years in him because he deserves it uh, as much as as much as anybody else. He's been absolutely fantastic. Still life in the old dog yet, and I mean with all the respect. <laughs> Our other centre back pick is Lloyd Kelly, as I just mentioned a few seconds ago. For me, he's been the best defender in the championship this season. He just oozes. Premier League quality because he does everything you want a Premier League defender to do doesn't he he's brilliant with the ball at his feet without a doubt for me the defender with the most technical ability in the division but as well as that he's quick reads the game brilliantly and he is ultimately class isn't he Justin yeah and I think left footed defenders are so hard to come by so when you get them you've got to really cherish them um, they are they are quite rare, I think. There are a few in the division at the moment and they all seem to be playing very well, but obviously the, the, the best of them is Lloyd Kelly. Not that his left foot has got him above right footers in, a div- in this team of the season so far, I should add. Um, but you're right, technical ability as a centre-half um, is definitely, definitely in the top... <laughs> I was saying in the top two, but it, it's hard to argue anyone being better than him. Um and I think him playing left wing back and, and progressing through the ranks as a as a left back or left wing back has helped that um, confidence in terms of stepping out. And you saw with Bournemouth's poor run of form that coincided with Lloyd Kelly dropping out of the side. Um, now he's back back in it. I know they lost a couple of games with him in the team, but they are showing that they they are getting back up to back up to their best. And when Bournemouth have a settled back four, when Lloyd Kelly's at the centre of that, there aren't many teams that are better than them in the league. Yeah, well, it says a lot that Bournemouth had only lost the one game before he got injured in November. He was out for a month and a half. They didn't win a game in that time. And then his second start back, they win again. He's just that important to this side, not just defensively, but with the way that they play and the way that Scott Parker wants to play. Because there's no one better at bringing the ball out from the back and progressing it further up the pitch. It's no surprise as well to see him linked with a move to the Prem, but as you were just talking about a minute ago, cherishing players like this, Bournemouth will be looking to do just that and they'll be thinking that this is someone we need to keep hold of because if they do want to be in the Premier League next season, then he's the kind of player that you 
stick first name on the team sheet really isn't he and then you go from mm-hmm. there uh, with progressing uh, further up the pitch um, honourable mentions I think there's actually been loads of brilliant centre-backs this yeah. season I mean Jagielka as I was talking about a minute ago Paddy McNair has been a completely different player since Chris Wilder's coming to the team Gary Cahill's been a masterstroke purchase I say purchase signing uh, for Bournemouth Daryl Lenahan you were quite hot on Justin Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's he's really shown. I mean, Blackburn have, have really started to solidify themselves defensively. He's been centre of that. It seems like he's. It seems like a bit of a coming of age season, which is weird to say for um, someone in their mid twenties going on twenty six. Um, but he, he seems to have really stepped up into the role of of, of captain for Blackburn, and um, their their run defensively, especially over the last few weeks, has been down. Not not just been down to him, but he's been a, a good reason as to why they've been so ruthless at the back. Yeah, I was quite hot on Cal Bartley as well. Someone I think has been, you know, brilliant at the back for West Brom. Hence why they've got the best defensive record in the division, but also going forward as well because he scored a number of goals for them uh, this season. And he's another one who's probably having his best individual season as well. Yeah. So, so many centre backs. I mean, we could spend a, a whole podcast talking about the number of brilliant centre backs that have been in the oh, championship yeah. this season. Cause there have been quite a few. We move on to left back, Justin, and that's a position where I don't think there actually have been that many standouts performers this season particularly the only one who really stood out for me was the one we've gone with and that's Connor Townsend also Mm -hmm. of West Brom Um, we were talking earlier about how important the wing backs are to the way that Valerian Ishmael wants to play and Townsend has you know been a bloody good example of that him and Furlong either wing have been stretching defences and creating hatful of chances for the uh, West Brom forwards as we say and we say on a weekly basis they spurn a lot of those chances but they're creating chances nonetheless and you can't ask for more really from Connor Townsend he's someone whose career has also kind of passed me by quite a bit for West Brom I I thought that might be a position where they may need to strengthen uh, left wing back that is in the summer just gone but He's really shut me up because he's been absolutely fantastic. And every time I watch him, he's uh, someone, again, very similar to Furlong, really. Both brilliant going forwards and defensively. And also got a decent throw on him, Justin. Yeah, he has. Um, I mean, we could just copy and paste what we said for Furlong for Townsend. Um, it really is that simple. But they've, they've both been um, absolutely fantastic, Townsend. I mean, we always struggle to name left-backs. Whenever we do these teams of the seasons, left-backs are always quite... Um, quite sparse in terms of numbers uh, or top performing left backs anyway but with Connor Townsend yeah he's been head and shoulders um, above pretty much all of them when you look at key passes from wing back um, both Townsend and Furlong uh, are in the top three um, I think Townsend's ahead of Furlong at the moment in terms of yeah th- those creative numbers um, which just goes to show how important they are and as well the engines that both Townsend and Furlong have um, are ridiculous because of again the, the physical demands of that system um, for Townsend and Furlong to do it so consistently um, is astounding, really. So kudos to Ishmael for getting the best out of them and, and kudos to both Townsend and Furlong for being as consistent and, and as good as they have been this season. Yeah, you were talking about Furlong being West Brom's most consistent player this season. His main rival is Con Townsend, isn't it? Yeah. Both of them have just been, every time they've played, they've been West Brom's most dangerous players um, and most reliable players as well. You get a 7 out of 10 performance from them virtually every week. Um, Honourable mentions then, Jordan Zamora was one for me. I think mm-hmm. the reason why he's a bit way off Townsend is because he missed large chunks of the season for injury, didn't he? But considering this is his first full season at this level, he's been fantastic. How Harry Toffolo was one you were quite hot on, Justin. 
Yeah, I mean, his, his crossing ability is fantastic. He's been a, a key asset to, to Huddersfield. Again, a team that plays straight at the back, putting a lot of emphasis on the, the creativity of the, the wing-backs. Harry Toffolo is up there. Um, he's a good player, quite an underrated player in the league, I think, as well. Uh, and one that I think will get a few bigger clubs sniffing around at some point, or clubs with money, I should say. Absolutely. He's someone we've been a fan of on this podcast for quite some time. And see, Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the midfielders and then we'll look ahead to the forwards. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We're doing our halfway team of the season so far. We're now on to the midfield, Justin. Um, in midfield, we have got John Swift, Phil Billing and Lewis O'Brien. We'll go through all of them one by one, Justin. Swifty first, who, as we all know, has had a phenomenal start to the season in terms of numbers, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. And again, similar to Curtis Davies, you've got to consider the circumstances in which they are excelling in. Uh, now, with John Swift, he's he's got um, nine assists this season, which is a joint most, alongside Ryan, Ryan Giles, who's now gone back to Wolves. He's got the second most goals from midfield. Um, he's been he's been Mister Consistent for for Reading, and 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 again, bringing into context, you look at the players around him. Um, no disrespect to Reading, but he doesn't have as much quality around him as certain, some teams do. I and mean, you've got a team that are languishing sort of in the bottom five or six for a player to put those creative numbers out is unbelievable. Um, and yeah, he's, he's fully deserving of his place. And when he's not in the game, I, th- I think Reading suffer quite a lot. Um, and it's it's more more shame, more of a shame that um, Reading failed to get him in the game than John Swift failing to get into the game, if that makes sense. I think so. I think it does make sense. Uh, he, he's Swift is one of those players who, when you're making a team of the season so far, he's one of the first names you put down into just because he has had such an unbelievable start. I mean, he had 12 goal contribution in his first nine games. <laughs> the majority of championship midfielders will be happy with that across the course of the season, let alone in the first hmm. nine games. But you're quite right. No one in the division has created more chances than John Swift. He's almost in double figures for both goals and assists which very few players manage to do in a season. And he's nearly done it, and we're only halfway through. Um, Reading have scored 29 goals this season. John Swift has scored or assisted 17 of them so easily, more than half. There is just no doubt in my mind that Reading would be in the relegation zone right now without John Swift, and probably on a direct course for League One as well. But he has been individually dragging Reading towards points on multiple occasions. He's been one of the best midfielders in the Championship for multiple seasons now. And this is his best one yet, Justin. Would you agree with that? I I probably would. Um, He's not really shown the consistency in previous seasons that he's shown this season. Last season was was scuppered by injury. Um, And you can only imagine if that wasn't the case where Reading would have ended up because obviously they finished seventh, just missed out on the playoffs, relied heavily on Michael Elise. Um, but if they'd have had this John Swift last season, I think it would have been a, a playoff finish quite quite comfortably. And it just goes to show how, how good of a player he is and how much of a difference he makes to this Reading side. And as I say, once he gets key players back, the likes of Lucas Yao and hopefully Ovi Ajaria hitting form again, he's arguably got more to aim for um, and more opportunity to, to boost those numbers. Absolutely. Lining up alongside John Swift in midfield is Phil Billing of Bournemouth. And I remember the good old days, Justin, when Phil Billing was a holding midfielder 
those days are long gone, aren't they? Because, I mean, God bless Jonathan Woodgate. We've had question marks over him as a manager, but <laughs> moving Phil Billing forward has been a masterstroke that Scott Parker has now taken full advantage of. I mean, defenders and midfielders just don't know how to keep a hold of him. Not only is he massive, so he's difficult <laughs> to knock off the ball, but he's also a great dribbler and a passer. He is basically your traditional number 10 in the body of a daddy long legs. And <laughs> you only have to look at his assisting against Cardiff to see how silky a player he is. He is the kind of player that I think every manager in the division would love to have in your side. Yep, filling, uh, Phil Billing long legs, uh, as they call him, I think. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's the all-round midfielder that you need. Um, he's, he's capable of, of getting box-to-box defensively, obviously playing holding midfielder for so long, as a holding midfielder for so long. He's got those defensive uh, that defensive awareness you need in midfield. And, I mean, when Woodgate moved him further forward and he started producing goals, no idea where it came from, no idea if he could sustain it. He's shown that he can do. As far as, as, as calendar years go, 2021 uh, has been a very good one for Phil for, for, Phil Billing and um, there's interest from him from from big clubs as well which goes to show just how um, how improved he's been at Bournemouth um, and as an all-round midfielder in the championship he's probably been the the best all-round midfielder um, I think in terms of box-to-box capabilities and, and overall responsibilities a fantastic player and again hopefully it's a big second half of the season for him. I think it's very interesting what you said there about 2021 because I, I think you could even say from players who have played in this season and last season, I think Phil Billing has probably had the best 2021 out of any player um, mm-hmm. in that bracket, really, hasn't he? John Swift is the only midfielder who's got more goal contributions than him. And it is worth pointing out, we're not basing our team completely on that. We're not basing it completely on numbers. But you can just tell when you watch him how much of a difference he makes for Bournemouth because he's all over the park. And when he's actually on the ball, he is just different class he really really is our other sentiment Justin is Lewis O'Brien I think possibly the one player in here that may surprise people maybe Curtis Davis as well actually but for me O'Brien has been in such top form that it's difficult to ignore him really isn't it yeah no you're absolutely spot on he's he's been so good for Huddersfield this season Um, a player who could have left um, in the summer to go to Leeds Um, but that Leeds link it makes sense when you when you watch Lewis O'Brien because obviously that Leeds team is so competitive, so fit, um, and and so important in terms of winning the ball back. And Lewis O'Brien's been um, the, the the league leader in terms of that. He's won the most tackles in the division this season so far. He's, he's been absolutely imperative to to the way Huddersfield play because obviously he's a he's, a, he's playing under Corbrand, who's a Bielsa disciple. He's the perfect player for the system, um, and he's and he's shown himself that he is again one of the best tacklers or ball winning midfielders in the league um, or he is the ball, best ball winning midfielder in, in the league so far um, he's he's been consistent as well which is, is really good for a young player um, and again he's another player who's going to have a big a big half season ahead of him because Huddersfield are on the edge of the playoffs yeah, I think in terms of ball-winning midfielders, he right now he probably is the best in the in the division because he is at the top of his game. He never stops running, and this season it's been like there's been two of him on the pitch, hasn't it? At times because he <laughs> he just covers so much ground. And you're absolutely right; his consistency is his main um, his main uh, quality, really, because he's been at least a seven out of ten every time I've watched Huddersfield this season. I've seen a lot of them as well. My favourite thing about him is. He's a massive shit house, 
and he knows how to <laughs> rattle the opposition and has become a master of it, a maestro, if you will. But that's always a very good way of getting uh, in my good books, being a massive shithouse. He also looks ridiculously similar to John Boy from Peaky Blinders. So uh, just have a little Google of that for anyone who uh, is aware of who he is. Um, Honourable mentions, quite a few again uh, in the centre midfield position. Jean-Michel Serry has been, you know, I mean, he was linked with Barcelona a couple of seasons ago, so I suppose that's not too much of a surprise to see him be one of the best players in the division. Matt Crooks has been a ridiculously good signing for Middlesbrough, anti Justin? Yes. Uh, in, in terms of pound for pound value for signing, um, if he carries on his form, then without doubt he'd probably be quite easily in the in the, the top three um, value for money signings this season. Uh, he scores goals. He's, he's a good box-to-box midfielder. Um, he's a good size and again he comes into that shit house category as well that, that you like he's a, he's a good player and he's been huge for Middlesbrough and he's going to be even huger even bigger for, for bigger. Borough in the second half <laughs> even bigger for, for Borough in the second half season under Wilder Absolutely and Morgan Gibbs-White is the other one we wanted to give an honourable mention to probably Sheffield United's best player so far but I think will definitely be their most important player as the hecking bottom revolution continues to flow. Our front three then Justin, right wing we've got Harry Wilson and then the striker and left wing position will be no shock to absolutely anybody. Up front we've got Alexander Mitrovic and left wing we've got Ben Brereton-Diaz. We'll start off with Harry Wilson Justin. I I think Another one who may not be as popular a pick in people's teams of the season so far, but if you are plain and simply picking the player who's been the best right ringer in the division, it's been him, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't help that a lot of teams haven't been playing with wingers this season. It's it's been the 3-5-2 that's been favoured, so wingers have sort of gone under the radar. But Harry Wilson... Um, from a creative perspective, for me, he gets Fulham ticking a lot in that final third. He's a he's a good supplier of uh, of chances for the likes of Mitrovic and and Cabano. Um, he has been top draw this season, and he's been top draw, but it feels like he's it's been it's gone under the radar a little bit, mainly because the likes of Mitrovic scoring the goals. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I think he's gone under the radar. I think it's because of the price tag and the reputation he's got. Yeah. So you've got minimum expectations of him haven't you and mm-hmm. those minimum expectations are so high but he has met those expectations at the very least hasn't he yeah. and I think if he was playing for a mid-table team and also wasn't as big a name at championship level as Harry Wilson is then everyone would be putting him in their team of the season without a doubt so you almost have to ignore the context around him to appreciate how good a season he's had if you don't understand mm-hmm. what I mean no you're absolutely right um and that's what I was alluding to with being in a team like um, Fulham and you've got the likes of Mitrovic taking the, the limelight a little bit. I think that allows someone like Harry Wilson to, to really play at his best because you look at the responsibility he had at Cardiff last season and I don't think he was, although the numbers wise he was pretty good, I don't think he was as influential to Cardiff last season as he is to Fulham this season. Um because I don't think if Harry Wilson's not in that side providing chances for players like Mitrovic, I don't think Mitrovic gets the goals that he does. So, yeah, he's, he's been without doubt the, the best right winger this season. Um, and again, if he doesn't play well, then quite arguably Mitrovic doesn't play well either because he relies on him for, for opportunities. Yeah, definitely. 13 goal contributions in 20 games for Harry Wilson. Only four players have created more chances per game than him. And he is just given Fulham that extra edge, hasn't he? Because you... 
Um, your first thought is how do you stop Alexander Mitrovic? And then after that is how do you stop Harry Wilson? And it's hard to do that because he has got everything you need as a winger because he's a great dribbler. If you stand off him, then we all know what that left foot can do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really, really difficult to keep a leash on him. Up front, Justin, no shock here, Alexander Mitrovic. Do we really need to explain why he's in the team of the season? Uh, probably not, but we may as well anyway while we're here. Um, scores goals. <laughs> Scores goals very easily, scores goals with his first touch, scores goals with his head, his left foot, his right foot. Uh, He's quite easily the most complete striker in the division, arguably one of the most complete strikers in Championship history. Um, Yeah, very good player. That's underselling it, but I'm not going to give him too much plaudits because it's uh, it's Alexander Mitrovic. Yeah. the season that he's had so far and well you only have to look at the other seasons that he's had you could very easily make the argument that he is the best championship striker ever Um, because in terms of pure consistency now what's he had two seasons in the championship he's had that full season didn't he and then he had half a season before and now he's had half a season now and his numbers are quite frankly ridiculous for anyone to just easily hit 20 plus goals in every season that he's been in the championship is just frightening and now he is also on course to break the record for the most goals in the championship season he is he's someone who I look at and I think you shouldn't be playing the championship and it doesn't it really does shock me that he hasn't been picked up by a side maybe looking at the Champions League or Mm -hmm. at least Europe because he is that kind of player. Even if it's not playing every kind of, every week, he's still a very useful player to have in your squad, isn't he? So it surprises me that he doesn't get picked up by any of those teams. But it's Fulham's gain, isn't it? And they've truly been reaping the awards this season. The one thing that we can say is that even though Fulham have had that sticky patch, haven't they, in the past month or so, one of the reasons why we still think they're going to at least finishing the top two is because they've got Alexander Mitrovic and you're always going to have that constant supply of goals. It says a lot when he's got one goal in four games and that's considered a drought by his standards. So, yeah, Mitrovic walks into this team, doesn't he? He's uh, the first player you put down on the team sheet into. Easily, uh, easily. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how many players you've got available in your squad. If you've got Alexander Mitrovic... um, you've got a very good chance of winning. And I don't think we've really sold enough of his abilities all around because he's, he's changed his role a little bit this season where he's dropping a bit deeper. He's a bit more involved in the play. He's not as much of a poacher as he was under Scott Parker. Um, and that's probably helped Fulham massively in terms of um, the the avenues they create in the final third. Um, so, yeah, he, he's, he's tactically improved this season. Um, ability has always had it head and shoulders above every striker in the league which is saying something compared um, with the with the next player we're going to speak about yeah left wing we've got Ben Barrett and Diaz another player I don't think we really need to do much talking about Justin because I think every bloke and his nan has been talking about Ben Barrett <laughs> and Diaz this season haven't they he has been the story of the season and probably will be one of those stories that you talk about for years to come how this guy from Stoke who was a fairly unremarkable championship winger last season and in seasons past has gone from being a man possessed and now a sensation in South America um, he you could just tell from the first game that he stepped onto the pitch this season that he has got a new lease of life he's full of confidence and that's only gone 
on to grow more and more. He's always had this potential, hasn't he, as someone who could go on to be a very, very talented player. He just needed that extra kick and it seems like being a full international for Chile now has given him that and here we are with Blackburn sitting in the top two. That is in no short part down to Ben Raritan Diaz and the form he's shown this season. Yeah, and when you consider the fact that he has played left wing, he has played as a number nine this season and he's still scoring goals. Um, he still scores, he still manages to find net when, even when Blackburn aren't creating, go back to that uh, Millwall game at the start of the season where they, <laughs> I think they had one shot on target and that was Ben Broughton Diaz's header into the far corner. Um, he, he's been he's been absolutely magnificent and, and by far my favourite player this season. Um, just because of that rise. I remember reading an interview with Tony Mowbray earlier on in the season about how um, he, he, Baron Brereton has always had the um, ability to, to beat his man, but he really needed to hone in on that um, killer instinct and that ability to, to put chances away consistently and the, the, the finishing touch that needed improving. And it looks like, obviously, that's improved. Um, just a magnificent player. And I think if he never got called up to Chile, I don't think we'd be talking about him. Now I think that 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 call up has literally changed his life, and what a player he's been! What a player he's been! He's been absolutely brilliant, and yeah. I've already said it. He's been my player of the season so far. He's yeah, magnificent. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on about the Chile thing. If if that didn't happen, and keep in mind that came from a Twitter campaign started from someone spotting Foot, that he was part Chilean manager. or football manager. Yeah, <laughs> it's remarkable <laughs> how these things turn out, but. Going back to the chances that he scored this season, he scored all sorts of goals, hasn't he? But if you look at the underlying data as well, if you look at some of the goals in terms of percentage chances for expected goals, some of the goals he sh simply shouldn't be scoring, but he's done it consistently. And I mean, wow, what a player, what a player. And Blackburn fans will be crossing their fingers that they keep hold of him past January. But when you have a player like him who is in such unbelievable form, he's always going to... Garner interest, isn't he? Uh, mm -hmm. And ultimately, the best thing we can say about him is he's been a fantastic replacement for Ben Brereton. Honourable mentions, <laughs> uh, Dominic Solanke, who I feel a bit sorry for in normal seasons, Justin. He'd be walking into Team of the Season, Monty. But when you've got Mitrovic and Brereton Diaz, who have been scoring goals for fun, poor Dominic Solanke has been kept out the side. But make no mistake about it he has been having a fantastic season without a doubt the best season he's had of his career so far if we're on the theme of forwards Brennan Johnson has had a great season and a great breakout season for Forrest uh, Elias Chair is another one who deserves a shout because he's been a match winner for QPR this season on many occasions and Chris Willock who I've been banging the drum <laughs> for for so many times this season I tried to put my case forward for him being in the team Justin Peach wasn't having it <laughs> Well, that's yeah. He dropped me in it there. He's not. He's not going to get ahead of uh, the old BBD or Mitrovic even Harry Wilson, is he? Um, maybe if he has a, if he replicates the first half of the season um, into the second half of the season, he's, he's got a chance. Maybe centre mid would have been a better argument for him, but I think he was running Harry Wilson quite close for the right wing position. But maybe, I'll let it maybe. slide because. I love Chris Willock, as we all know on this show by now. Um, we're not doing the news this week because there's been so much happening, but nothing really concrete. I've been, my, whenever I go on Twitter now, it's just transfer rumour after transfer rumour, Justin. So I thought we leave the news for now. We'll do a big roundup in Thursday's episode where we've got a lot more time to go through everything that's going on in the championship. So instead, we'll go straight on to Scott High or Ryan Lowe. It's the popular new game here on the second tier. It's a Essentially higher or lower, uh, if this is your first time listening. I'm going to give Justin six statements 
All he's got to do is guess whether that statement is Scott High or Jason Lowe compared to the previous number. So, Justin, the number you're starting with is 130. The first statement is this. The combined age of Derby County's most used back four this season. Is it Scott High or Ryan Lowe than 130? Most used back four. See, Nathan Byrne surprises you by uh, with his age because he looks so much younger. Um, I think he's about 30. Uh, and then you've got Jagielka, 39, 69. Trying to do quick maths here. I'm not something you specialised in at school, was it? Uh, it wasn't, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all have our weaknesses. Maths is mine. You've got yours. We won't go into them. Um, I'm going to say it's higher it's just whether for Scythe has played more than Buchanan but I'll say higher so you're saying Scott High than 130 Scott High Scott High than 130 it's 136 so it is Scott High Nathan Burns 29 Curtis Davis is 36 Jaggy Elks is 39 and Craig Forsyth is 32 so you're absolutely right with your logic there um so your new number new number is 136 next up the number of championship goals scored by Peter Whittingham Scott High or Ryan Lowe than 136? 136 is a lot. I, he, it's, a lot that, he did score a lot of goals and he was so bloody consistent for 10 years. Even if he's... Oh, he's had 20 goal a season, that 20 goal season that uh, really throws you. I'm, I'm going to say Ryan Lowe, but only just. Your number was 136. He got 82 goals in 389 oh. games. So, yeah, miles off. It was Ryan Lowe. Yeah, oh. it, shot, it surprised me as well because I, I yeah. assumed it would be closer to 130. Hence why I stuck it in here. Jeez, yeah, that nearly threw me. That was a good, that was a good clue. That, uh, a good question. That was. I, I tried. Uh, so, you got two out of two so far, Justin. Your new number is 82. The number of tackles made by Lewis O'Brien in the championship this season. Scott High or Ryan Lowe than 82? How many, get, how many games has he played this season? So he's played 20, more than 20, hasn't he? Uh, so if we say around 22, probably averaging. So you reckon he's made more than four tackles a game on average? Yeah. Go on then. So he's Wait, got what high. was the number? <laughs> it's uh, 82. No, it's Ryan Lowe. No, I'll say Ryan Lowe. Ryan Lowe. He's made 67 tackles this season I so knew absolutely right. uh, Ryan Lowe was the correct answer you're absolutely flying at the moment Justin you're doing quite well you've got three out of three can you get full marks for once um, <laughs> number 67 then next one is this the FIFA 22 rating of Ben Brereton Diaz Scott High or Ryan Lowe than 67 that's at the start of the season I assume yes. with updates they would have improved it I reckon uh, FIFA are scoundrels. Yeah, FIFA are scoundrels. I reckon it. that'd be harsh though, wouldn't it? Lower than 67. Mm. Uh, no, Scott High. I'd, the, that'd be so harsh. It's he not, had a great season yeah. last season. Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bad season. It was alright. It, it yeah, better than 67. His rating was 71. So absolutely right, it was Scott High. Um, I'm making it a bit obvious by trying to persuade you to go the other way, aren't I? Yeah, it will be, yeah. <laughs> so four out of four, Justin, so far. Could be the first four marks ever on Scott High or Ryan Lowe for Justin Peach. Next one is this, so you're number 71. The combined size in thousands 
of the two biggest championship stadiums? Is it Scott High or Ryan Low? Then 71. Uh, to nearest thousand, by the way. Borough, oh, that means it's close. So Borough's 35. There's no Sheffield Wednesday or Leeds. So it's got to be... I've got the teams next to me. It's, it'll be Borough and Derby. Um, I'm going to say Ryan Lowe. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Lowe. Then 71? Yeah, I think it's around the, the 68, 69,000 mark. The two big stadiums are the Riverside Stadium and the Rico. I'm joking, it's Pride Park. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to see the look on Justin's face. Combines, they're just short of 68,000. So you're absolutely right, Justin. Last Jesus. one. What Last is going one for on? the full marks. Five out of five. Um, so 68 is your new number and your final number. The statement is this. The cost in pounds of a stainless steel Nottingham Forest watch from the official Nottingham Forest shop. Is it Scott High or Ryan Lowe than £68? Uh, the, these, these, are, these are great questions. We need to find ways to make make these into the, the actual podcast some way, somehow. Not not just this this game we play every other week. Um, £68 for a stainless steel watch. Stainless steel is not an expensive metal. I don't again I don't know what other I don't know what expensive watches are made out of other than maybe gold or whatever Titanium? expensive metal. Mm, I'm not Vibranium. Watch expert. Vibranium, yes. <laughs> uh good Marvel gag there. Um I sixty eight pounds seems expensive for a watch of that material. I wouldn't pay I wouldn't pay over forty pounds for a club branded watch. I'd be very disappointed if I'm paying more than 40 odd quid for a what is essentially a plain watch. So you're saying right though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I like to, I like to, I like a bit of commentary in there. Show people how tight I am. Are you done? Yeah, 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 I am done. <laughs> so your final number was, number was 68. The cost of the stainless steel Nottingham Forest watch is £45. So you're absolutely right, Justin. There you go. Full marks on Scott High or Ryan Lowe for the first time this season. How do you feel? I'm actually very happy. It makes up for being called a virgin all day uh, prior to recording. (laughs) Um, And obviously that absolutely tragic um, Craig Craig Bryce's pub quiz I had as well in the previous episode. This makes up for it massively. Yeah. Good smile on my face. It's good. Yeah got me ready i'm happy good stuff good stuff it's always good to hear justin i've always liked to see a smile on your face especially after i wiped it off with ryan shotton in midweek <laughs> so there we go ladies and gentlemen the second tier podcast another episode wrapped up we'll be back again on thursday because we have got a couple of midweek games next week but we'll also have a preview looking ahead to some of the games coming up next weekend as well so we look forward to seeing you then and of course we'll talk about some of the news as well because there's loads of transfer news cracking off at the moment we'll talk about some of the done deals and some of the transfers that look a bit more plausible than some of the stuff I see from in the nose on Twitter so yes we look forward to seeing you on Thursday this has been the Second Tier Podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening (laughs) 